Welcome to the Academy of Esports Podcast. I'm your host, James O'Hagan. This week, I have Jason Kirby with me. He's the COO of Generation Esports. Jason, thank you so much for being a guest in the Academy of Esports Podcast today. No, thanks for having me. This is great. I'm excited. And uh, Generation Esports isn't just a company in of itself. It also houses a few other groups that uh, some some people may know of, such as HSEL, uh, High School Esports League. Is that where it started? Is is Generation Esports like the growth of the East, uh, High School Esports League? Yeah, no, happy to, to kind of fill you in on that. So yeah. basically, the High School Esports League was founded in 2012 uh, by our founders as a means to, you know, have what they didn't have in high school and to create that experience uh, around games and gaming culture to, you know, kind of give that space for the the kids that may not fit into traditional uh, means or traditional clubs or uh, activities. And um, it kind of just took off. It was clearly a, a need for the market. And, mm-hmm. you know, while we're all here, because we realize that this is so much more than just video games, this is about you know, competition, it's about teamwork, it's about uh, education, STEM opportunities, uh, career opportunities, college access. And um, as things picked up speed, you know, one went from a few, a few schools to dozens of schools to hundreds of schools to thousands of schools. And uh, we really needed technology and a platform to really service that and to be able to keep up with that uh, in a scalable format. Uh, you know, moving away from spreadsheets and uh, you know, Google Docs and stuff like that. Uh, to to a platform that can really house and protect all the the, the data as well as uh, be able to scale the tournament experience. Mm-hmm. And um, the technology was being built in 2017. We made a bunch of iterations, huge uh, relaunch in 2019 fall when I joined the company. And we realized that we have a technology that can service a lot more than just high school. Mm-hmm. And we decided to to work on a new brand uh, that was starting in fall of 2019 when we started conceptualizing the concept of what would become Generation Esports so that we can expand to the entire scholastic pipeline. Uh, as you can imagine, High School Esports League is a very limiting you know, name, a very specific and, and uh, you know, good name for what it is. But uh, Generation Esports enables us to now have the middle, uh, own and operate the Middle School Esports League, the High School Esports League. And now we power and support the uh, the NJCAAE Collegiate League, uh, as well as other collegiate conferences that will be joining in, in fall of 2021. Uh, so where now we can you know, cater students from you know middle school all the way up to college, and you know providing all kinds of access and opportunities you know with our technology. In addition to supporting some non-scholastic organizations as well, communities that you know need help getting it, uh, set up in esports. Did you ever think when you were at San Diego State as an Aztec that you would end up being the COO of a company that works in providing gaming and gaming experiences for kids in schools? Specifically, no. Um, (laughs) I don't think many people had that on there. When I was, you know, when I was five and they asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't think it was, ooh, an esports anything because I would have been 1980 and I would have just been (laughs) looked at weirdly. Oh. Uh, no, I had uh, no idea this would be my path. Uh, always an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, had my own business in, in college. I uh, was fortunate enough to uh, shortly after college to sell that business, uh, both of them, and, and move on to other things into the startup world, which led me to uh, a company called Liquid Sky. It was like a cloud gaming uh, mm. company. Okay. And um, that got me introduced into the gaming world. Uh, I was the kid that was always a generation behind in terms of consoles and PCs, so I never got to really keep up with the Joneses and my friends and, you know, was never, never had the good enough equipment to, to hang with my buddies. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so Liquid Sky solved that problem for kids like me that you know can't spend two grand on a PC and you know can spend you know a monthly fee and have access to all the top games on any device. Mm-hmm. And did a bunch of deals in esports, uh, you know, with different orgs, and that exposed me to that. Then we sold to Walmart at the end of 2018. And oh. um, yeah, yeah, not a lot of people know that it was supposed to be a big announcement that got uh, not announced. <laughs> um, but I know uh, there was well, wait, I know there was talk for a while of Walmart wanting to do gaming centers, yep. like, like oh, no, they have that. No, that exists. Yeah. Oh, they, uh, okay. Yeah, they they partnered with Esports Arena, and they have I think 25 locations now. And in okay. Walmart's, yeah, that's great. I, I know those people very well. It's an awesome team. Uh, that's you know great initiative. But we were supposed to build Walmart Gaming, uh, which was a whole entertainment uh, division that uh, we were going to be leading up. And plans changed, and uh, that no longer happened. And that's what led me down the path to be introduced to uh, HSEL, which uh, one of my friends is on the board, and okay. uh, found out about my situation with uh, Walmart, and was like. I think this might be a good fit for you. And I've always had a passion for education and creating access and opportunities. I was a big brother in the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. Just opened my eyes to just like, you know, if kids just know what could be, you know, they could dream and they could Mm -hmm. want things and they could pursue things that are outside of their purview of their current world. And uh, that's just always been an intrigue of mine. Uh, It's always been something I'm passionate about, you know, donate to those types of, you know, causes that help create those opportunities. And when I found out that I could help introduce a new sport, a new extracurricular activity that is so much more than a traditional sport in terms of the Mm -hmm. STEM and, you know, college access opportunities that are there, it was just all, all the flags were raising, like, you need, you need to jump on this and jump two feet in. And well, you certainly did. I mean, I think when you joined, it was still HSEL, but Generation Esport is, again, a rebranding, or I guess, you know, kind of like how Google is not actually Google, it's Alphabet. Alphabet, have, yeah. That's yeah, a better have, analogy, yeah. Yeah, so, you, so Generation Esports kind of is the umbrella organization, top-down uh, approach. Okay. So, you know, I, I come from a world where, you know, in education where we're bootstrapping, right? We've done, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of, especially in the Midwest, we have a lot of non-for-profit state associations. What is the thing, I guess, that as people are looking to make a choice, you know, they've, mm-hmm. hopefully they've thought beyond the game and they've thought beyond the games that they're going to play. But what is it that you find, again, in all, I want to make sure, you know, again, that this is clear. I'm a part of a nonprofit state association. Mm-hmm. My teams yeah. participate in a nonprofit state association, yeah. but I know that's not always a fit for everybody. Okay. What is the fit for uh, HSEL and for the middle school league as well, too? Where are you finding that your your participants are coming from? Or what are they looking for that maybe, you know, a Play Versus is not offering or a NACEF is not offering or a, a state association isn't offering? Yeah, a lot of it comes down to choice, uh, flexibility, scalability, and equal and fair competition, scholarships, uh, you know, choosing what games are right for their school and being able to compete in those games, uh, being able to support competition for a game that may be not so popular, but it gets two kids in the program that wouldn't otherwise participate in anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, the accessibility of like just where, you know, we're a phone call away. We have a whole staff, you know, dedicated to just onboarding and supporting, uh, you know, participation. We, we do so much education, so much education for teachers, coaches, staff, to kind of be like, okay, what is esports? 
how's this work? How am I protecting my students online? How are we doing this? We answer all those questions. We we make our phone number and you know, you could book 15, 30 minutes with our staff at any point in time directly on our website. Uh, you know, to basically, you know, handhold all these people uh, as they venture into something that is a very, very new thing. Uh, it's, it's a hard concept <laughs> yes. for people to understand. Well, yeah. and it's not just it's not just hard for some teachers or parents to even understand, but school district administrators or people oh, yeah. who have been told for years that video games is the awful thing and it's going to cause brain rot and you know cause violence and all these other things. Um, it's like uh, it's so frustrating when people still have that mindset. But well, especially that again, I'm a child of the '80s. I was five years old in 1980, so I grew up with Pac-Man and Atari and Nintendo. And you don't see me out, you know, committing murder. But again, the same thing was said about Dungeons and Dragons. You know, oh, Dungeons yeah, and yeah. Dragons was the gateway to the devil and was, you know, causing a rise in satanic cults. And no, actually, what we found is it created a rise in really good creative writing, you know, and, and story mapping and, yeah. you know, quest. I game, mean, game design and game design. Exactly. Great paying job. <laughs> Absolutely. And here's the thing I will say that I do admire about HSCL and, and I guess uh, the whole organization um, is that you did allude to, and I think it's important to, to point out, you do have the largest selection of games supported that I have seen anybody do yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is like if, if and now again, again, uh, just more of a personal preference, our state association, uh, our school district will not support M rated games yeah. but i believe you have rainbow six siege you have call of duty correct okay yeah. how do you how do you square that again to each their own right i'm gonna say like you know it's a it's a local decision yep but how does uh hsel specifically square that with mature rated and minors so the kids are playing the games anyways they're, they're mm -hmm. already playing the games. And a lot of the reasons why schools uh, evade it, and also like publishers are, you know, kind of don't necessarily want to promote and, you know, mature rated games to, to high school and middle school and whatnot. We have a very good relationship with all the publishers. We have good arrangements with all of them to, to ensure that these games will, you know, be able to be offered in the way that we do it. But ultimately it comes down to like, and one of the reasons why we get uh, people choose us to compete with us is because they get to choose what's right for their students. They know their students better than we do. Mm -hmm. They know their students better than the, the superintendent does. They know their students better than the state does. And they know what's going to help those kids perform better in school, perform better as digital citizens online. And you know, by us offering it as a choice, they're able to you know, present that um, as an option to their, their school, their students. And they tend to be the most popular and most talked about and most engaged games because mm -hmm. they are. They are the highest performing games and it has nothing to do with it being a, a shooter and they're, you know, gore on the team. You know, it's about team work and competitive, the competitive nature of what is required to compete at that level in those games and the amount of communication that has to go back and forth uh, in order to succeed. Cause you can't just like pick up a controller, you know, get up to a computer and like be good at those games. Mm -hmm. Like it takes an extensive amount of practice and commitment. And that's what the colleges are recruiting for. You know, colleges are spending millions of dollars in, in esports and are paying out scholarships and they're paying out scholarships for these games in particular in a lot of cases. And if I let's say that I am a school leader 
and our school has decided that yes, we want to go down this this path with say Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that HSCL or Generation Esports provides that can maybe help when I do come into those situations where I have a parent who is really just like, you know, I really want my kid to be part of this, but I can't square with the violence in the game. Is there anything that HSCL or generation esports offers in that realm? There's like standard releases. So we have like a little folder of like, kind of like codes of conduct, you know, release forms and things of that sort that we offer, you know, schools to use if they don't want to make their own. And they kind of like take it as a template and make it, uh, you know, tweak it for themselves to either have, parental consent or, you know, what the code of conduct would be. But ultimately it's like this, like, and that's one thing about our education system as a whole is just like the epitome of fragmentation mm-hmm. uh, and every decision and where the decisions are making, not even at the state to the, to the district, to, to the school, to the teacher, uh, to the parent, like decisions are being made independently of each other mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, it comes down to like the kid doesn't have to play in call of duty. Mm-hmm. You know, if the parent doesn't want the white wants to be in esports, but doesn't want them to play in Call of Duty, like as long as the kid's not trying to rebel against the parent directly because they want to play Call of Duty and the parent just misunderstands their child. Um, but if they're like, oh, we don't want them involved in violent games, like, okay, play Rocket League. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they could still be a part of it. And Rocket League's easy to pick up, hard to master. Um, you know, it's it's a great solution it's for a lot of possible to master. No, I was kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I can't fly the whole time. I see these guys, I'm just like, how? How do you get, do you your get car the that high? Yeah, where yeah. do you get the boosters? How do they, 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 they run out? How do you get them? <laughs> How do you get your car that high and then flip it in the air at the same time? I mean, whatever. It's impressive. Um, okay, so the the thing I think that is really cool that you also do is you support middle school. Now, again, there's, ju- there's junior college, but talk about the growth at middle school because I see so much. I mean, you just brought up Rocket League. That's like perfect gateway game when it comes to east i mean it really is yeah. let's think about it it's soccer with cars or basketball if you choose Eas- that easiest option to explain yeah yeah it's soccer with cars but it's also cross-platform if you have a computer or you have a switch or you have an xbox or you have a playstation you can play what has you seen at the middle school level with growth this year is not is kind of hard to say but in the recent past uh as far as growth goes at middle school well, it, it was kind of fascinating. When I came in to HSCL July of last year, 2019, uh, you know, the team in particular, uh, our chief customer, customer officer, Charlie, was just like, you know, I get tons of calls about middle schools, um, but we, we don't know what to do with them because it's like, it's clearly, it's a different game. Like mm-hmm. in high school, you're 13 and older, you know, they can create their own accounts, you know, we manage and protect that data. But under the age of 13, there's a whole set of new laws and rules that we have to abide by Yes, uh, to protect student privacy. And so that was like a bit of, you know, that, that's a burden we have to understand and respect uh, and follow the you know, processes uh, to do so to make sure we're not collecting any private uh, uh, identifying information on you know, minors or under the age mm-hmm. of uh, 13. And so basically we, we came up, we just, but we were just getting bombarded with questions and you know comments, like a lot of high schools that have middle schools attached to them wanting to bring in their middle schools and all this kind of stuff. And we're like, we hear you, we, we want to make this happen. We just have to make sure we do it in a way to kind of one, also test the market because this is a big investment into our platform and product to basically create these kind of restrictions and how we handle user data. Um, but it was just, the demand was bigger than we, uh, we thought we were forecasting maybe like, 50 to 100 schools to start and i think we had 300 
uh, and we couldn't even, you know, get them all in in time because COVID obviously just threw everything. Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, so the fact that we blew our our forecast away from for middle school, and we every day another another middle school, you know, asking to sign up for for the next season. Um, there's just so much pent up demand because you know teachers and family and parents and schools are realizing like these kids are already playing the games. It is the most entertain it's the biggest source of entertainment for them um and you know like i always like to make this comparison like you know netflix's competition is not disney plus hbo max it's Fortnite. Mm-hmm. you know like it's it's timeshare for entertainment and and these kids are spending all their time on that and like you know some people see it as toxic or you know bad behavior you know being in front of a computer screen all the time but ultimately bring them into a classroom with adult supervision you know, a structured curriculum with their peers, it creates a powerful environment for them to learn and affiliate, you know, happiness, community, a sense of belonging and success to school because they're I not got, doing it at school. Yeah, I see it all the time with middle school. And, and I've said it here before. Uh, I was an elementary school teacher for many years and I worked at the high school level and I've also worked at middle school. And middle school is like, a completely different beast. And, and for a lot of these kids, it's their first time that they haven't had a homeroom teacher where they've been all day, for example, like, you know, that fifth grade class, that self-contained class. Um, and and they're trying to find their way and they're trying to find it. And it's funny you, you talk about the growth at middle school because just in the last week, I had two of my own middle schools reach out to me and go, so that thing you're doing at the high school, can we, can we do that at middle school level yeah. too? And I'm like, yes. Yes, we can. Yes, let's do this. Because you're right, those kids, especially for a lot of them, middle school is hard enough as it is. They're going through all kinds of changes. Their 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 school structure has flipped almost completely. And now they're in more of like a high school-ish kind of mindset. Uh, I see that as being a key for a lot of kids uh, moving forward. And again, the game titles like uh, like Rocket League or even now uh, competitive Minecraft building is becoming something that is, you know, it's a, it's again, a gateway. A lot of kids have experience in Minecraft already. And now it's just a saying, Hey, let's do what you already do really well and make it a competitive build experience and show off your coding and show off your build skills. What other titles uh, are people looking at or using at the middle school level that then you're pulling up the list? I'll keep talking. Yeah, about no, I just, like, just like, I was going to mess it up. So, you know, Rocket League, uh, Super Smash, Minecraft, uh, and Mario Kart. Uh, and we do offer Fortnite uh, as well. Just to make sure that, yeah, that's what we have offered. We did experiment with a couple other games like Just Dance or um, there's another one. I'm trying to remember the name of it. But yeah, we, we experimented with a couple other titles uh, just to kind of see if we can get like some you know movement involved uh, mm. with the kids as well as uh, trying to target a, a broader audience, try to get maybe young girls involved as opposed to just, you know, young boys, mm-hmm. uh, you know, help create some more gender diversity at a younger age, which will hopefully lead to more gender diversity as they get older. If they're playing and growing up together in this environment, they'll hopefully carry that on. Uh, so that's a kind of a big initiative for us is, you know, really increasing more diversity, equity, and inclusion across the board. Uh, we felt middle schools would be a good angle for that. We um we're, we want to kind of consider things like Roblox and other uh, really popular games with that kind of like sub thirteen year old group, uh, but this was kind of like our first initial launch, and the beauty of our platform and our relationship with the publisher is we can kind of like pitch uh you know pitch a game you know kind of like hey like let's try Just Dance, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't get the traction that we that we were hoping for. And I think it was probably because people just didn't really see it as maybe an eSport or they didn't own the game itself. Um, and yet you know, we're able to kind of communicate to the group and like saying, okay, the participation isn't where we need it to be to form a you know, formal competition uh, to be successful. So you know, we removed it in the preseason before the season actually kicked off type thing. Uh, so we had that kind of flexibility and autonomy to to create an experience that matches what the what people want. So uh, we're looking to expand our our, our Minecraft uh, options, and uh, we're talking to to Microsoft about those and what those look like, um, as they've made some recent announcements that are perfect for middle schoolers. Um, we have we do have elementary schools coming to us now that we have middle school. And they're like, oh no, they have middle school. Can you do elementary school? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, yeah, they're the coming. game. Yeah, the game options get a little more limiting, but at the end of the day, it just becomes down to like, just get them in the, you know, get their, get their butts in seats, you know, with a teacher, you know, with an, like a formal uh, structure mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, allow them to kind of play games in that environment as opposed to just playing online at home, you know, on whatever open internet with whoever they might be playing with type thing. Yep. Lord of the flies. Yeah. And, and it's amazing how there's some game developers who will just say, well, if they can't, if they can't play in a, a league that we support, they could just go play in the community. It's like, do you, you realize who you're, you know, a lot of these kids are coming to us because of trauma from their gaming experiences, yeah. as you just described, well, just go play whomever you find in. Some of these games can Q. be pretty toxic. Um uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, there's some that come to mind in particular that on yeah. the open internet there's a lot more toxicity and hostility in those games over others yeah. and they definitely need more league structure uh yeah. and in, like safe environments for equal peers but hey, well, I, I, I think it's i think it's going to be hopefully this generation who sees because we grew up again with that you know going to a 7-Eleven or going to an arcade and just playing your games there. And occasionally you'd play against somebody else, but then it, it was NES and going to a friend's house and it was, you know, you're going to a friend's and it was fine and it was safe. And then the internet came in and now your living room is in somebody else's living room. Yeah. And I think these, this is going to be the generation of kids who, who grow up and go, you know what, that whole thing where we were all thrown in together into this giant mass of just luck of the draw community picking yeah, that's not for everybody, and and I think they're they're going to be they're going to become the parents who say, why aren't we not providing more safe structures? Structure, or, yeah, yeah, structure around all of this. So hopefully, it's going to be the parents of well, the kids who are now kids. in it. Yeah. yeah, the kids now when they grow up can hopefully put those pressures on developers because it's amazing how game developers want us to use their games. But at the same time, Eddie, I know you say you have really good relationship with game developers. I don't feel that across the board when it comes to education or educators in general. A lot of times it feels like, you know, again, oh, this isn't for school, but we're using it as an educational tool. So where is there is it, are, is there a potential, I guess, for some kind of middle of the road meeting where we can get educators at the table to explain just how awesome some of these game titles are for our kids? Or what is what is Generation Esports doing to help facilitate that conversation? It, it, it comes a lot with scale um, for these publishers uh, where they kind of run into friction that they've communicated to us is just like, the the one-off or like kind of like smaller groups uh just becomes uh either one a liability concern because it's hard to hold 
that per, you know that group accountable for a small group when there could be thousands of these types of groups. Um, whereas like going with one you know larger, more scalable partner makes things a little bit more easier to to manage. Mm-hmm. And um, you know we've been you know, fortunate enough to kind of have that that reach and that scale that you know gives them that kind of comfort to where you know one they can have a a check at their door you know for for working with and you know getting their their cut of the pie which is very important which I learned mm-hmm. in my Liquid Sky days and Walmart days uh, publishers don't work for free that is a very very clear uh, uh, rule and guideline and um, and then just. You know, being able to have like a, a point of contact or you know someone to kind of cast a new ruling on as opposed to managing thousands uh, of groups that you know claim a formal structure wouldn't it be almost impossible to enforce that level of structure to any kind of uh, net ROI now the like I wish there was more of a feels goods with mm-hmm. the realization of the impact in education to where they would have a little bit more uh, commitment and involvement into it uh, realizing the impact um, but I think the best way to say it is just like principals and superintendents and school, uh, state officials avoiding like mature ready games or shooters out of fear of a, a parent, you know, cracking down on them and raising all like a parent that happens to be a lawyer who's going to be that one that like, you know, scares them uh, or causes concern, which is not really the reality in any way, shape or form. Um, I disagree, but, but I, I, I'll disagree only because I realize just how fragile esports is in our schools sometimes because it gets thrown at me every day. Just when I think I have all the allies lined up, there are some who look at us and go, wait, for example, why do you need access to the weight room? You're just the gaming, you're just the gaming video game team. Ugh. Okay. Uh, or you just get that one board member who just goes, I don't like that. Yeah. And I've, it's again, it's weird where we find are finding our allies in this, and it's weird where we're finding our pushback in some places. So I don't share, I guess, your um, feel about that with with regards to you know what what are we, be, we what are we afraid of? It's not so much that it's fear. It's like I want to just give this a time to grow and become part of culture. And once it becomes part of culture. Now it's much easier to have that conversation of let's let's try this out over here. I, I would I if I if I had started with uh, Call of Duty, I don't I would have never gotten through day yeah. one. It yeah. would have been uphill fights all day, all day. Yeah, yeah. No, so, you, you you hit it on the nail with with that that sense of culture and like you know more mainstream. Like COVID, while it did like crush schools and just every way shape or form talk about the burden being put mm-hmm. on you know teachers and school officials and parents family everything uh, but the, this conversation around esports has accelerated significantly due to what do we do with no sports mm-hmm. oh esports is possible while some schools basically made it a blanket ban across the board no extracurriculars period oh we fought uh, that too oh uh, <laughs> yeah that was just like come on like what are these we kids can't even do? fundraise uh, yeah, no, you can't fundraise. What? Why? Well, because the football team can't. Yes, but my season starts in a couple of weeks. Wait, how how do you have a season? We're completely online. Just like our school. So yeah. <laughs> the headaches funds. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, but what's interesting is like that the conversation is now accelerated around esports. And is it still, you know, mainstream? We're still a you know, a tiny little flip on the radar in the grand scheme of things. 
uh, when you think about traditional athletics, I think it's like what I keep forgetting that it was like seven million or fourteen million. I think it's like seven million kids in high school are playing like you know traditional sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's funny is like what, I think it's like fifteen million kids in in high school. No, it's more than that. I keep I keep forgetting my numbers. Yeah, I think it's like 30, 30 million high school kids, and like almost half of them are like a third of them are playing sports. Um, you know, but eighty percent of them playing video games. Right. <laughs> and it's just like how can we overlook that that stat? You know, but uh, it's that structure and that environment because they really do need that support. Like one thing that's been unique with us, that's kind of like it's both a it's a double edged sword in a lot of ways. Is like we're, we've been very grassroots. You know, we we didn't raise a hundred million dollars to just basically you know buy our way into things. We had to really in, uh, create a movement and a sense of passion from from students and teachers up the chain mm-hmm. uh, to to make people realize like. Oh, like little Billy or little Sarah never spoke ever. And now they're wanting to lead a new club on campus. Yeah. And they have like a sense of passion. They set up a Facebook page. They set up all the, you know, an Instagram, all this kind of stuff. And they're like growing and they got like 20 kids involved. Okay. We got something here. And to where it becomes almost impossible uh, for any, you know, decision maker to kind of say no to that kind of momentum. Yeah. And we see it too. Just like, as you described, yeah, those kids who before had been quiet, passive, never would have never heard boo from them. They didn't end up in the office, but yeah, all of a sudden now are in-game leaders or leading entire clubs. Yeah. Yeah, Coaches. Exactly. Running the social media account, learning real work, you know, real life skills. Like uh, it's those stories and those data points that ultimately shift the conversation for us. And, you know, we're investing heavily now into, you know, working more closely with the states, working more closely with uh, the districts and the higher ups as mm-hmm. we continue to fuel those that grassroots kind of bottom up approach so that when they all finally kind of convene, it's just a natural conclusion. Because the last thing you want is like you get a, a principal or a superintendent super excited. Like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. This looks great. Any kids? Any kids? And then, you know, anyone want to do this? And like there's not awareness there yet. And so while if they just put up a flyer on campus, there'd be 100 kids that show up. Um, you know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not apparent yet. So we're trying to make it louder and, uh, you know, make it more, uh, a part of everyone's normal life that this mm-hmm. is, this is real. We're going to be investing a lot into content, uh, to, to make it easier to share and understand what this all is we're trying to promote, uh, you know, schools to stream more so they can drum up awareness for their programs on campus, uh, and kind of bolster them and, you know, get them, you know, um, uh, you know, call outs. Uh, we have some really cool ideas. I can't speak to them just yet, but I, I think it's going to really kind of uh, ignite a lot more of that grassroots movement to where, oh, did you see XYZ, you know, school is, you know, playing this game? Like, oh yeah, we like, why does our school have that program? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, type thing. And that that's a lot of how our growth has happened. It's just word of mouth. I would say, I think it's pretty confident to say 95% of our business has been word of mouth and, uh, you know, inbound. Um and uh, we're just now starting to really invest into the kind of top-down approach. So let me ask this: uh, let's let's segue because you're also making investments and making inroads into other things, such as the development of some esports labs. Ah, yes, yes. So let's let's talk about. Please give the give the pitch, if you will. For so we this. we've been we've been drumming this up for a couple of years now. Just like the biggest pain point we always get coming back to us is like we want this program but we do not have the equipment we do not have the space you know we don't have the resources we don't have the funding and we're just like you know we can't solve 
you know, 25,000 high schools, you know, financial, you know, concerns uh, in that regard, but we can really spark a movement and we can start to like have a conversation and serve specifically the underserved, you know, schools that are, you know, grossly overlooked for their potential with these boards or, uh, you know, don't have the means for really any extra kind of extracurricular funding. Um, and so we, we've gathered up some partners uh, to help fund and fuel this, this campaign where we're going to be giving away, uh, let me say this, we're going to be building six PCs uh, at 25 high schools across America, uh, you know, in 2021, absolutely, you know, free to the schools. It's a, it's a simple grant application. You can check it out at hscl.org slash esports dash lab, uh, or just go to hscl.org. You'll find the link. Um, and schools just simply, you know, apply, fill out the application, tell us their story, uh, show pictures of their facility. Uh, you know, kind of tell us what their vi their vision is, and uh, we're going to be working with the the Army National Guard, the ASUS uh, for our hardware, Intel, and Extreme Networks to where we're going to be going into these 25 schools. And it's not just about hey, here's six PCs, have fun. Mm -hmm. You know, we we realize that there needs to be more involved, and in we want these kids to respect these machines. We want them to understand these machines, and that it's not just another you know school computer. Um, and learn something from it and, you know, learn an actual skill. So we're bringing in experts to actually teach these kids how to build these machines, these, uh, PCs. So they're not just, you know, going to have a PC there. We're going to ship all the components, all ASUS and Intel components will be shipped there. Uh, you know, all set up on the tables for the kids to learn what, mm -hmm. what, what is the CPU and why is it important? You know, what are gigahertz and how does it impact, you know, the performance of your game or your, the software you're running? You know, what is RAM and why do you need RAM? And what is it doing and what's happening when you're running your uh, your games? What's what's it storing? What's the purpose of your video card? Mm -hmm. uh, and explaining to them so they, they understand. It's like, I feel like this world is so much around software. Whereas like when you grew up, you know, in the 80s, it's, it's all about hardware. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all about what, what, you know, what hardware you're getting. Conversations really shifted away from hardware as we move into the cloud. And I think there's still a lot of lessons learned that, you know, future engineers from these programs might be like, you know, they might be like, oh, I want to be, you know, a, a hardware uh, engineer, or I want to be a, a software engineer. I want to, and these are all like incredibly high demand, high paying jobs that hopefully we maybe spark uh, a few kids inspiration in that, but also mm -hmm. just have them have respect for the machines and know that, oh, something, you know, goes wrong. They could feel comfortable opening up the case and like experimenting and playing with it. Ultimately, we want to make sure the IT director knows what's going on <laughs> and make sure they have full control over anything and everything that's uh, going on in those labs. But ultimately, it's just an amazing activation that is not just about here's free gear, but you know here's an opportunity for you kids to you know either start an esports program or at least get them out of you know going to the land centers you know down the street and coordinating travel or uh, you know playing at home and where it's kind of fragmented in communication. Bring them into that central environment because you know if you give kids jerseys, a room, and a teacher or a coach that cares about them, the the magic that happens with that combination is just, you know, forever, you know, giving back to the, the those kids' experiences and what they might, you know, become and you know, what experiences they have in that sense of community. So um, that's why we we built it. We've been trying to get partners uh, for the last year or so uh, to get rallied up behind that. And, uh, you know, Army National Guard came in full support of uh, trying to create these opportunities, uh, you know, specifically mm -hmm. targeting those uh um, you know, where we, where we could find those schools that really need this and, uh, working at the biggest impact and then ASUS coming in with, uh, the equipment Intel with the CPUs and 
additional support. And I forgot to mention Extreme Networks, um, the official uh, networking sponsor for the NFL, does all the Wi-Fi and all the major stadiums. Uh, they're going to be upgrading the network infrastructure for one lucky school. We want to do all schools, but it's it's extremely expensive to do a little bit. Yes. School. Yeah. Uh, so they'll be getting like uh, network redundancy, you know, ultra low latency pairing to peering to, you know, the, uh, you know, game, uh, game servers, uh, data centers, all that kind of stuff within the region. Uh, it's going to be a pretty massive uh, upgrade. And we'll be filming some of this stuff uh, as well. We'll do one particular school. We'll do a whole education series that will be available online of the build a PC thing brought to you by Intel. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's going to be a lot of cool activations, a little bit of a logistical nightmare once we choose the schools and like coordinating all that stuff, but yeah. We'll deal with that when it comes. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I've been building PCs now for probably about 30 years. And it's, it's, it's something that once you learn how to do it, this is what I love about this. Once you learn how to do it, you know, you'll look at, you know, Oh, what do I need for this? You know, like my, I'm pointing to my, like you can see what I'm pointing to. I'm pointing to the gaming computer that I have here but I bought it as like a refurb with like the most basic components. I'm like, you know, the cost of it was just so minimal. And again, it was a refurb. So it was open box already. And I just looked at it and went, Oh, I can replace this, 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 and this and get, instead of having a thousand dollar PC, now I have what would sell for like $2,500 just because I replaced, you know, a hard drive with, you know, uh, a solid state drive just because I upped the Ram just because I have the video card, you know, again, it's a skill set that is, I think, is really once you see just how like it is intricate, but it really is a simple machine. As you said, you know, it's motherboard, RAM, CPU, hard drive and power and a video card. A video card is technically not even needed because most you know, hey, motherboards already have one built in. I mean, you're not going to game very well, but you can still run a computer. You can play Minecraft. You can do my. You can play League of Legends. Yeah, yeah. again, it it could run on a potato, as exactly. people like to say. But I've also, you know, we, you and I've had a very open, honest conversation about the sponsorship. Yep. And I really appreciate first off that we have been able to have this because I think in especially with the state of the world, the way that it is, everything can become very polarizing, mm -hmm. and people, you know, take things to extremes. This is not an extreme conversation, and I hope it didn't come off the way that it did uh, no. when I reached out to you. But, you know, I immediately raised concern about the U.S. Army National Guard uh, sponsorship. And it isn't that I've had students, uh, I've had negative experiences with the military. In fact, all of my students who have ever chosen to serve in the military in whatever form have become very successful adults. They, they, they've had very positive experiences serving in the military. But I can't, you know, again, as I, as I try to, you know, coach people through certain things like this, one of the things that came up, of course, was, well, I like everything about the grant, but what is the Army going to expect out of this? I think that's the big question is, you know, they're putting their name top of center mm -hmm. on this. You've promoted this with U.S. Army National Guard as being uh, prominent. What, what, what is going to be their ask when all is is done they want exposure to to kind of show that they're forward thinking uh in, in supporting esports they realize that gamers turn out to be better uh service members mm -hmm. in terms of what the future of the military requires and they want to you know actually support the communities 
you know, more so, yeah, of course, you know, they have, you know, requirements they want to, they want to recruit. There's so many restrictions in terms of what they can and cannot do. They're under, you know, incredible scrutiny uh, in any way, shape or form, whether it's warranted or not. And, um, you know, ultimately when we came to them with this concept, it was an amazing opportunity for them to, to have, you know, goodwill with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, schools and the communities involved. Uh, you know, their ask is simply to, uh, we're establishing, uh, <clears throat> well, I probably can't speak of it just yet, but we're working very closely with the National Guard and other aspects as well. And, um, you know, we want to kind of have uh, relevant, you know, service members to speak of obviously their opportunities and career opportunities, specifically all focused on STEM careers. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, you know, for me, it's like, you know, military opens doors that would never be opened otherwise for, for people all across the country. Mm-hmm. And our core value as a company is to one, put our, put our student athletes first, you know, put the esport athlete, uh, you know, front and center and what their you know, needs are. And second is how do we create opportunities for them? Mm-hmm. And this was such a home run in terms of creating opportunities because not every kid takes every single opportunity, but the fact that they are at least having education on what these opportunities are, they're aware of opportunities. And this is, you know, strictly around focusing on, you know, STEM you know, careers in the military that uh, they want to have the option to, uh, you know, present. But as far as, uh, you know, what's the negativity that, that happened recently over the summer with the, the army, uh, mm-hmm. not necessarily the national guard, uh, but the army, you know, obviously sparks some buzz and stuff like that because it's, it was you know, Twitch open platform. Uh, but, uh, with us in particular, you know, we're following very strict rules and guidelines, being very respectful of the schools, making sure that they're obviously very well aware of the partners. That's why I put them front and center, mm-hmm. uh, and that they have a, a say in terms of if they are selected, uh, they have a choice of whether or not to, you know, involve, um, you know, the National Guard in terms of the actual physical activation, uh, okay. which is more of just a you know short presentation and an opportunity for uh, ideally what will be the esports members of that state's esports team for the National Guard to to partake and potentially have an exhibition match against the mm-hmm. students uh, on their new equipment, which we thought would be like kind of a fun activation, uh, whether that's remote or in person, depending on our COVID situation. That's another you know circumstance yeah. we're having to overcome. Will this will this be during the summer? That was a question actually that came up uh, with my general managers today because we were looking at the grant as well and they wanted to know. So when are they going to build it? Put these in. Yeah, build yeah. these. It basically comes down to scheduling. So yeah. once we choose our, our, our 25 schools, uh, we'll know and announce by February 15th. Okay. Uh, the plan is to basically just like, you know, like, hey, when, when, when can we come and when is it appropriate? And, you know, here's our guidelines. Here's what we require. We need this space. We want to make this an activation for the students. We don't want to just show up and dump these off and leave. Like right. this is this is about having an impact. This is so much more than just the equipment. Um, and you know, we'll give schools uh, schools will ultimately have a, a final say in what's what's appropriate for them. Just how we treat them with our league, like they have to the mm-hmm. say what games are you know are available and whatnot. So really giving those those schools those choices as to what's appropriate and what's needed for them. And, and again, with all this. It, uh, it comes down to again, what are your stakeholders? Cause you talked about again local control. M-rated games, you know, no go in my school district, no go in my state association. But again, that's our choice. Yeah. Just the same with your grant. Your grant options are you can apply or not. If you're if you're you and your stakeholders are fine with the Army National Guard as sponsors of this, fine. If you're are not, that's okay too. It's yeah. I think I think 
you know, especially in education, there is, you know, we, we always are, are facing or feels like it feels like we're always facing declining budgets. We're always feeling like things are getting cut. Things are getting lost. Things are getting shifted around. I just want to make sure that as people start to look at opportunities like this one that you propose, which I, again, I wish I could, I wish I could teach every single one of my scholar gamers how to build a PC. Like I wish I could, I, if I could have 200 kits, you know, it's going to get to cost me. Well, let's see about four or $500,000 depending right around there. Um, you know, I want to have that experience for them. But again, I, I have to square that with the stakeholders of my community, with my general managers, with the people who say, hey, yes, we're all for this or no. Yeah. So as people are looking at this, again, have the conversation with your community stakeholders, with your team, because again, it is a really cool opportunity that you're offering. It's just one that really should be, again, as with any grant, as with any sponsorship, as with anything that we are doing with this research who the company is that you're doing business with or who wants to do business with you because um, yeah, you only get one chance to do this right, especially. So. Yeah. It's crucial for us to, to be successful, to build goodwill with these schools and give them this opportunity that will be everlasting. You know, it's going right. to power schools ability to, to compete and participate and run a program for at least four years to which they should have a pretty good case study, you know, to justify the funding moving forward within either it's raising money within the community or raising money from the, the district or state, whatever they, whatever funding resources they have at their disposal. But, uh, you know, if, if football is being funded and, you know, baseball is being funded and all these other programs being funded, there is no case against uh, esports. And if anything, esports justifies, uh, you know, a bigger investment. In some cases, it could be a lot cheaper to run than some of these other programs significantly, you know, especially if there's no travel. Well, you know, and I don't know anybody in esports who's getting CTE, but uh, yeah, we, I said. we shall see. Uh, oh, <laughs> Well, with all that, <laughs> we shall see. There are some very interesting things that we have developed and are working on to enable access to those budgets. No, no, no. CTE. Yeah. CTE budgets. No, no, no. Oh. The, the, but, but, the brain disease, brain damage. Oh, God. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the education. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, oh, so, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Did, or so, did uh, I? No, I wasn't wrong. Well, we'll just go back to the video later. Uh, Jason, yeah, I you talking about career and technical education uh, curriculum. Oh, no. Uh, uh, no, maybe I'm saying it wrong. It's not CT. Is it CT? Maybe. So, I just was in a different mindset. Hold on. Uh, yeah. Jason Kirby, while I do this really quickly, <laughs> um, yes, CT. Uh, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, not CTE budgets. Okay, gotcha. there we go. Jason. <laughs> I would clear that up because that would sounded really weird. Yeah, I'm like going, wait a minute. How are we getting... CTE and okay, <laughs> this is gonna go down. Comedic this, break. Comedic break. This is going into the archives, right? This is the Hall of Fame clip. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this: Generation Esports. Where can people get more information about it? What uh, what what are the ways to connect, and where can they learn more? So I do want to make one point that I don't think oh. I, I made clear. Uh, well, on Generation Esports. Uh, something that we're rolling out, uh, specifically some trials in, in spring, but uh, predominantly very big in, in fall, is localized communities. Uh, so obviously HSCL has been known for its national, you know, league, its presence, you know, the national championships we we stream every year for every season. Uh, that will still be fully intact. That gives everyone the options. 
But uh, you know, as states and local regions want to kind of enforce more control in order to enable esports, uh, our technology enables us to roll out specific finite communities to which uh, only students from those schools, from those regions, will have access to those particular tournaments, where the the governing body of that region or district or state will be able to dictate the the terms, the the games. Uh, schedules, all that kind of stuff. So we'll be we're working with uh, you know states and districts across the country right now uh, to set that up uh, to make sure that they have a scalable platform that mm -hmm. you know protects user data, has all the infrastructure they need, that uh, all the support, the game, li the publisher licenses to run the tournaments, uh, kind of the full package suite. Um, so any districts, states, uh, you know schools that are interested in having that more local. Uh, competitive experience where they're facing the same schools. They know that, you know, that their football team plays or the baseball team plays, uh, you know, we're setting up that experience uh, going into 2021, which we think will be, it's been a, a big demand. You know, a lot of people like what, you know, the technology and the experience, but they, they kind of want that control and or local feel. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a big piece of what we'll be uh, investing into in 2021 and releasing. So um very excited about that and very excited to be to be releasing that to support a lot of kind of the, the fragmented communities that exist that uh, are often underfunded, don't necessarily have the resources to uh, kind of maintain and run uh, tournaments as they grow and uh, being able to leverage our, our infrastructure to do so. So that's that's going to be exciting. You have to learn more. Um, you know, you could just reach out to generationesports.com or, you know, hscl.org for the high school esports league or mscl.org for... Um, uh, middle school and if you need if people want to reach out to me personally you can just you know reach me out uh, at uh, jason at generationesports.com perfect and uh, yeah i love that too the league within the league if you will is what you're talking about so jason, well, be separate. For... they would have their own like little separate entities that uh, right at scale would eventually maybe lead to their own independent championships that move up the ranks but uh at this point giving them that that control that's separate yep Jason Kirby, COO of Generation Esports. Thank you for being a guest today on the Academy of Esports podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That will do it for this week on the Academy of Esports. I've been your host, James O'Hagan. Esports are organized competitive video games allowing schools to redefine their athletic culture, diversify opportunities for student participation, promote good physical and mental health, increase collegiate scholarship pathways, and play games. We can never forget the importance of play. The mission of the Academy of Esports is to support these ideals. The vision of the Academy of Esports is for all students to experience the fun and joy of playing competitive video games. You may follow me on Twitter at Jim O'Hagan. That's at J-I-M-O-H-A-G-A-N and through the Academy of Esports account at T-A-O Esports it's a great way to get the latest blog posts, podcast episodes, and news coming out of esports and education. And remember, you can continue your engagement by going to www.taoesports.com. You can also connect through Facebook at www.facebook.com slash taoesports. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to our time again next week.